Hey, it's Mother's Day today and El Dia de la Madre tomorrow. So we're releasing this episode today at brunch o'clock. And hopefully you can sit down and share this episode with your mommy. And if you can't be with your mother today, hopefully this episode gives you some comfort and fills you with gratitude for her and or yourself if you are a mother. So let's tap into motherhood with Black Mother, herbalist, and EFT practitioner, Briara Laurie. She was just an absolute joy to create this with. And I will say, I think that an unanticipated bonus with starting this podcast for me has been that all of the guests we've had are genuinely just great, warm, and wise people. And I'm grateful to have gotten to share this space with them and continue to have them in my life. So I just want to express my gratitude to Briara, to all the mamas out there, and a special thank you to my mommy, hey Angie, if you're listening, <laughs> and my grandma Peggy Sue for helping her raise her set of twins, which included me, with my no filter having ass. So thank you both. I love you and happy Mother's Day. I have included all of Briara's information in the episode description. I really encourage you guys to check out her wellness apothecary website. She has some really great wellness products on there, some elderberry syrup, some great tinctures, all that good stuff. And I've also included timestamps in the episode description in case you want to skip around. And if you want to stick around to the end, I put together an attempt, all caps, an attempt at a guided EFT exercise at the end of the episode. So you guys can check that out if you want. All right, let's get into it. My name is Briera Lowry. I am 26 years old, I'm from Philly. And <laughs> love that you got to say that. Um, and I am just into all things wellness, all things spirituality, um, because I just feel like that's the essence of my being. That's literally how I move, how I can get through tough days, how I can embrace like the good days. Um, I feel like my spiritual journey started my like senior year of high school. Um, because I was just going through like a lot of stress. And at that time, I always say this Tumblr was just so popular and yeah. you would always see like those quotes that like, you know, people probably didn't say like quotes by Buddha that Buddha probably didn't say, but I still felt connected to them because, you know, it's, it meant something to me. Um, but I'm just like a researcher. So I, I wanted to know, okay, well, what did like, like Siddhartha actually stand for so I would research those things and then really just learn like the practices of like meditation and yoga and like how that can benefit your life and I really just kind of like held on to that and it just followed me and as I got older you know you just learn more um but yeah that's pretty much how I got into this space I just feel like we are naturally spiritual beings and as far as the wellness piece, again, I'm from Philly. So I'm used to seeing like underserved communities where I'm not saying everyone needs to be vegan, but there needs to be way better sources for just healthy living all around, whether it's what we eat, what we think, what we're drinking. We just needed, you know, a better source for that. So I wanted to do my due diligence and actually 
do the research first to try to understand ways in which we can implement this into our lives while also being cognizant that it's money. A lot of the things with wellness and, and things of that nature, it takes money. So trying to balance that with, okay, how can we get wellness, but not expensive wellness? <laughs> like, how can we make sure? Because I feel like that's just something that every, and it's, a, it's our right to have a peace of mind. You know, that should not have to come at a cost, but you know, capitalism does its thing. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I just try to find ways um, and I'm still working behind the scenes as we speak to create like, like a little mini series that would be free of cost um, where you can really just have conversations like this about how we can implement just a healthier lifestyle. While I'm also working on trying to get the financial backing because I don't wanna tell someone like, hey, you could do, you know, you can exercise or you can eat this or you can go do this. And then it's like, okay, well, this will cost and this will cost. Mm -hmm. I'm also trying to get some financial backing to aid in, you know, those like wellness endeavors. So yeah. that's what I'm um, working on right now. But yeah, I just love the world. I really do. I love people. I love my people. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like if you have this gym and you found something that's kind of like helped you survive, why would you just keep that, you know, to yourself? I want to share that with everyone because there are things that helped me, you know, when I was in very dark places. So I want to, you know, pass that on. Yeah. A little background to the listeners. I, I got a chance to take part in one of Briara's EFT tapping sessions on Black Girl and Ohm. And I'd never, I'd never done that. You know, I, I heard about like tapping. I have like um, flying anxiety. So I heard about like tapping like the wrist and things like that, but I had never actually done that type of mm -hmm. that meditation or mindfulness or yeah I was I would I would definitely say it's like maybe a guided meditation 2.0 because it does require you to focus but that's why I loved guided meditation because it was always hard for me to just do meditation like to mm -hmm. the idea of just sitting there same with you know with my head like clear yeah, you just sit up ruminating. It's just, it's not, you know, gonna work. But what I try to do is, you know, with the guided meditation, it's great because you, you're actively thinking about things, but you're thinking about particular things that's just gonna boost your frequency. So that's why I love EFT because it's kind of like a guided meditation where you're not just like sitting there thinking peacefully, you're thinking like positive things, but it's actually putting a little bit more of a push, like a nudge, like into your body, because you're hitting these meridian points that are sending messages like to your brain to remind you to remind your body to just calm down. So I really I think it's just like the best of both worlds. It's kind of like a guided meditation, but like a spiritual massage. Almost. You know, I don't even know if I want to call it a massage because I love me a good massage, but it just you know, it just feels like a little bit more for me. I felt like a little bit more relief doing the EFT, like doing the tapping and then also speaking these words into myself. Like it is okay. Whatever you want to say, honestly, that's the beauty of it. You know, you could literally make up your own little rundown of what you want to say when you like tap each endpoint. Um, however you're feeling that day, whatever's like getting you stressed out. I think it's just a beautiful experience and it's free. It's like something that you can literally, you know, do outside, go to the park and it, it just, it feels great. 
Yeah. And I think I like it. I liked it because I think it shows that there's not just one set format, you know, and yeah. I think some people try meditation and they're like, I can't do like, I can't sit here <laughs> and just clear my mind. I can't, you know, yeah. I, or, you know, I don't really like this type or, or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. I'm like, well, there's a, there's a lot of different forms. There's so you know? many and different ways. Yeah. This is a good so one. Many. I feel like, cause I, I didn't, you were like, you don't have to clear your mind. You're cause you, it's like, it's your work. You're working. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. You don't have to, with that exercise, it's actually better for you to not clear your mind. Like let your brain, let your body feel those emotions. Um, I think that, you know, growing up, I've always, I would pride myself on just not feeling things like, Oh, nothing bothers me. Oh, I can detach so easily. And that was like cute, you know, to me, I thought that that was fun. I thought it was cool to like, you know, not feel things. Um, but you get older, you take, go to therapy a few times and you realize that there's really a fear of feeling things, you know? And once I had, you know, my son, which I know we'll get into, even if I no longer sought out wanting to feel things, it something changed in me. And I literally, I went from like not really feeling anything or not really allowing myself, I should say, to feel, which would then it would just go to my subconscious. It's still there. I just wouldn't acknowledge it, which isn't great, um, to having my kid and then literally feeling everything, whether I wanted to or not. And it was very scary so but it felt good because once you feel those things you can honor it and then you can release it you know there's a lot of power in saying this thing really hurt me and and honoring that and not necessarily sitting in it and wallowing in it but saying this happened this this is a fact this happened and it made me feel this way and because I feel this way I'm gonna now release it and now I have tools you know in my toolbox to let it go and that I think that that's way more empowering than something happening to me and me being like oh well okay it's Monday so what's going on because what does that what does that do like it's still there I'm just not acknowledging it and therefore it's just gonna stay there it's gonna stay in the back of my mind and it's gonna maybe show out in different ways um whether it's you know, me having headaches or whether it's me not wanting to eat. Our traumas show up in so many different ways if we don't acknowledge it and just say, okay, I see you, but I, I'm good now. You can, you can go because I'm going to, you know, do this EFT tapping or I'm going to like take a walk, whatever your, you know, tool is, you know, for that day. But I always think that it's important to, you know, acknowledge it for sure. I mean, and you're, I mean, real talk because only I think maybe three four weeks ago mm-hmm. in a ther- <laughs> a candid moment with a psychiatrist you know mm-hmm. that came up when you're saying it hits it it, it comes up other ways where I, you know I'm yeah. telling him like yeah I I'm I'm good like I I don't feel like I don't mm-hmm. feel you know because I I t- we take I, I push things down right mm-hmm. okay so maybe mm-hmm. you maybe you think you but you 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 have a good way of like you know, it's in, it's, yeah. it's in there still because you haven't addressed it. So now it's manifesting in all this other stuff I'm getting my head into. Yes. Right? So it's like yes. It's, it is manifesting. And yes. um, whether we acknowledge it, whether you want to, you know, mm-hmm. consciously acknowledge it or not. And, you know, just a book suggestion that really digs in deep with this topic is The Body Keeps the Score, um, which is a book that was like really important to me that just shows not just me, but sometimes I have a hard time understanding other people if they are doing maybe something that's 
cruel or just, you know, sometimes people behave in ways that I don't understand. And the Philly in me, you know, makes me want to check it. You know, like, you're not going to disrespect me. Not, why are you acting like this? You know, but yeah. you read these books and you understand like the things that people are dealing with, it's really so much bigger than you. How someone treats you, and it's and it's not to say that we don't acknowledge that we do, but it's it's just bigger than the experience that you may have had with this person. This person is obviously dealing with you know bigger demons, and I had to read that book like when I first read it. I literally had to read it three times to just like affirm like how I'm gonna start moving. Like I'm not gonna start holding things against people. I'm gonna see how people are behaving. And I'm going to say, okay, they have some things that they don't have worked out, as do I. Like, I'm not perfect. Um, but it helps me understand people, I think, on a different level, on like a more like three-dimensional, four-dimensional level where I'm not just looking at the person that I see in front of me. I'm also thinking about the things they could possibly be dealing with. And that honestly is a win-win because it helps me move on easier. Like, it helps my healing. And that goes for relationships, friends, family, like just anybody. It, you know, it helps. So The Body Keeps the Score is a great, a great book to dive in a little bit deeper on that uh, subject in particular. Listeners, yeah. new book rec. That's yeah, it's so thing. good. <laughs> <laughs> it's such so, a good book. Yeah, yeah. thank you. And, and, uh, and so how did your, how did your family, how did, how did your family talk about money? Because I know how, you know, my other Black family, other minority families, mm -hmm. I know talk about mental health and it's uh not at all um yeah, yeah 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 it's very much that um it's very much a tough mindset I mean I was raised by a Taurus woman and a Gemini father so it's, it's very you know air earth which they're more logical more than like feelers you know so if something were to happen it was like you're strong you can suck this up you can keep, you know, you can keep moving. You can't let anything get you down. Like it was very, very much. I mean, the reason why that I was a person that could detach so easily was in part because of my parents, because they really showed me like, okay, you don't really need to like hold on to this, which is like, it's good and bad because you don't want to hold on to things. Right. But was I really taught to acknowledge the hurt? Not necessarily. No. Comforted. Yes. I was comforted if I felt bad about things, but I know that with my child, I want to be able to instill in them, we can honor this, we don't need to push this to the side, or we don't need to just have one conversation, and then it's done. Maybe there needs to be multiple conversations about this, whatever isn't necessary for the healing, but I've, I grew up in a very, like, tough love. I knew the love was there, but it's tough love, and that was kind of the love that I gave out to the world, but I don't like the phrase tough love because love is like the highest frequency it shouldn't be tough love should be easy it should be free-flowing and words are powerful you know words mean things so I don't like the the whole tough love idea it's something that I held on dear to as I navigating my 20s that's how that was just my excuse like if I if someone felt like I was being distant or too hard on them or too blunt I'm like it's tough love it's just tough love but like that's not love shouldn't be tough that should be easy. So um, I definitely think that my parents, yeah, they had, they had, they played a part. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it, I admire them because they have a different type of resilience, but yes. I think we, we, pu we put so much on that res on resilience on the, mm -hmm. like I am resilient and, and yes, we are, we are resilient, but I'm like, but we, resilience also means 
it means more than, than just yes. and I think we saw a lot of that right and yes. I know even now it's a paradigm shift right now mm-hmm. um in, in in black communities and I think we are shifting more into this connectedness but I even I think even still I'm kind of treated more as like the foo-foo like Mm-hmm. Okay, hippy dippy oh, oh, yeah <laughs> okay, sure I like wear it as like a badge of honor now I'm like if someone's selling that to me that means I'm doing something right because right you're I'm like <laughs> come I'm come with my crystals like come with me it's okay <laughs> because it works for me you know it, it works for me so if, if I'm over here surviving with my little crystals and my little palo santo and my sage or whatever I got my meditations my intentions and that works for me, then, hey, let it work, you know, let it work for me. And everything isn't for, you know, everybody. So if it's something that, you know, doesn't work, then, you know, okay. If, if it doesn't, I don't, I don't know how it couldn't, but if it doesn't, then that's, but that's fine. But I think you have to, the only way that you could even see if it works is if you have an open mindset. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the hardest thing um, with just human beings in general. We've been on this earth for so long and all the type of programming that has occurred within the world and through generations it's kind of hard to kind of like break the cycle and just kind of break through and say well I know we've been told that things should be this way and that you know one plus one equals two but like what if we did it a different way you know and see how that works like what is the harm in in doing that but you have to have an open mind you can't go into you know an EFT um uh meeting or whatever the case is or like if you go out and you want to try it you can't go into it with a oh this isn't gonna work because then you're just gonna tap in my wrist oh well no I don't feel anything yet oh tap oh nothing yet Mm -hmm. you're not gonna get anything from that experience you have to go in with an open mind a lot of the times when I was doing meditation I didn't necessarily believe in it I didn't think like oh just sitting here and being quiet um and just just breathing and doing breath work would really help me but I said, I can't go into it with that type of mentality because then I won't get anything from it. I'm just going to fake it until I make it. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go in with the, the thought that this is going to help me because it's helped so many people. And at first it felt weird, but then you just start doing it more and you're like, wow, this, it actually works for me. And that's how you have to go into things. You have to go into things with an open mind. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on that, and kind of into that too, not, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a shift into another and into another end. Um, mm-hmm. uh, when I think, and, and feel free to not answer this or however you're comfortable, but I think mm-hmm. as I've gotten older with, with having a kid, the idea of having a kid for me, I just, I'm too afraid uh, to mm-hmm. have, you know, to raise a black kid in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I, I'm concerned about the mental toll, you know, yeah. I'm concerned about their safety and, yeah. and so many other things. And I know as I've talked to other black women and men mm-hmm. about this, they've shared similar concerns, you know, I'm like, it's really is a deterrent. And, and I'm like, you can't really be like, well, I'm going to raise them somewhere else because you know what? It's, it's you can't it's escape not, it. Anti- yeah. Literally everywhere. Yeah. You, you can't, it's it's unfortunate. It's, it's it's so unfortunate that we even have to move from our place of comfort, quote unquote comfort, because obviously we feel the impacts of anti-blackness as well. But no one should have to move from a place where they feel somewhat comfortable simply because 
this place may demonstrate less anti-blackness or maybe their anti-blackness shows up in different ways um it's just very unfair i mean even right now i'm in the process of moving with by the end of the summer i'll be moving and i have to look at the community i want to live in because that's going to have a hindrance on my child's education that's not fair i should be able to move wherever i want and my child should be getting the same education as anyone else. I shouldn't have to spend more money in a particular area so that my son could have, you know, a decent education. But that's literally, you know, unfortunately, it's the world that we that we live in. And it's I can I can understand that's a real that's a real fear. And it's yeah, it's very justified. Um, and I don't have any. Yeah, it's really nothing you could say. I think that with pa parenting, it's just very it's a strange world because I feel those things every day. Yeah. Um, but it's like, I don't know, it's just such a, it's a weird feeling because on the same token, I'm like, I just love having him here so much that it's like, okay, I'll go through this crazy BS of like racism and fearing for him, but I also love him. But sometimes I do wish that I didn't bring a kid in because it's such a, it's literally such a scary world, you know? And he's he's literally my everything. So I'm like, so you have to balance that he's two. So I, I feel like I can be as overprotective right now as I want, but really trying to get out of being so overprotective because as he gets older, I don't want to coddle him. I want him to be, you know, strong-minded and being able to rely on his own thoughts and like his own um, analyzations that he has on the world. But parenting is just, is one of the most complex things I think I'll ever experience because you literally possess, I know I do, the exact opposite feelings while also holding on to you. So like most days I'm like, I love having my kid. Like I co-parent, so he's not with me all through the week. But when he is with me, I'm like, ooh, almost time to go to your dad's because this has been twice <laughs> we stress two week and then he goes to his dad's and then I feel empty because I'm like oh my god I need my kid but then I get him back and then you know through the week it's it's yeah it's very it's like the most <laughs> complex thing that I realize it's it's really unexplainable I, at this point I try I can't even explain it all I can do is just say how I feel and then just hope it kind of like sticks somewhere but overall it's a great it's a, it's been a really great um you know experience for me for sure yeah and i, I mean i and and thanks for sharing you know it's it's yeah. i think moms moms have a way you know we we didn't grow up with with a lot i think we had just enough you know and, and people have really different often inaccurate images of what like a a black working class family mm -hmm. is yeah um and so it was like, we didn't have anything in excess, but we didn't not have, you know, we, we right. had just enough. Right. But let my mom, like, my, tell me why when I was growing up, I felt like we had, like, we had so much money. I was like, we are so rich. We have- Not even knowing like the back, the back end of what's going on. No, I'm yeah. like, y'all are some magicians because tell me why, you know, I- was over here thinking I was having some avant-garde living with this hamburger helper, um, <laughs> you know, and of course you get tired of the spaghetti every single night, you know, and then mm -hmm. leftover spaghetti. And I know my dad used to like 
gripe over spaghetti. And as I get older, I'm like, that's, yo, that's a um, struggle meal low key. You know, she had a huge family to feed yes. on a teacher's salary. Mm. And this is what she was able to afford, yeah. you know, yeah. in our, in my mind, I'm just like, damn, like mom just like cooking the same thing. Yeah. She tried to make salsa spaghetti one time, get creative. Don't do it. It's not, it's not a move. Oh my gosh. No. Oh. Yeah. I, I know. Mm-hmm. I'm just getting creative. So it was the same. Yeah. You really try to make things. It's not until you're an adult and I'm grocery shopping at the time, just for me and my kid. And I'm like, why is this pack of chicken $10? Excuse me. This is like a meal that's going to last us like a night. Not to mention, this is the one ingredient out of 10 that I need for this meal that will only last me tonight. And that is for me and a toddler. So then I started thinking, I'm like, wow, yeah, like I can see how this could put a strain on families or even like ordering out, my parents will order out and I will want like cheesesteaks and fries, but I have all these other siblings. So we're all kind of like sharing things. And I'm like, I want my own, why can't yeah. I just have my own cheesesteak? Yes. And then I'm ordering my own takeout and it's like $30 just for me. So to think of like five other people in the house that has to eat, that wants the same thing that's going to run you like literally close to like a hundred dollars like I'm not even gonna hold you depending on what they want and that's for one night of eating and then tomorrow it's like it never happened so I mean and and then that that goes and that that's like another layer of that because you know when you're trying to relocate you can Mm. relocate to a food desert right like that's where I grew up in I hadn't tasted pineapple that wasn't from a can until I was in I want to say in college. So I thought that pineapple came in the can, you know, yeah. it didn't have, it was a huge deal when the Walmart got built like mm-hmm. a ways away. Like that was a big yeah. deal for us. And now they're like doing all this. I mean, I can go on a tangent cause they just, they target low socioeconomic communities with these like family dollar, Absolutely. dollar general, that no fresh food. It's terrible. Even like your your grocery stores, the same grocery store that can provide top of the line fresh foods in one area is the same grocery store that literally gives you like bottom of the barrel. It's going to expire in a week. That's why I get, I get so frustrated with the vegan vegetarian conversation because I was vegan for six months into quarantine and I'm, I'm well, like, you know, money wise. So it was rough for me to have to think about all of the different foods that I need to make to prepare it, to purchase it. I was in the market more than I was when I wasn't like fully vegan, because a lot of the things that I was eating, I couldn't necessarily like freeze and then make, you know, later it was all like fresh foods to think. And then I went to um, a supermarket and like an uh, more understanding underserved community tried to get some vegetables spoiled bought some fruits but but I literally could you not like maybe two days of them being in my refrigerator spoiled and I'm like these are the people that you know these are the the communities impacted by this and then you're telling them oh well don't you shouldn't eat Wendy's oh you shouldn't eat but if it's cheap and it's there and then when you try to go to the grocery store it's overpriced 
come on like it's it's yeah. literally racism within the food industry like yeah. everything is redlined so i get i get very sensitive around the the vegan um topic yeah because there's a lot of thought that needs to go into these statements when we're just making these blanket statements oh well you're you're giving your kids cheetos and yeah. your kids should be eating like let's really look at the statistics like let's look at the numbers to see why is this set up like this you know what i mean most parents they don't want to have to give their kid that you're just trying to do what you can to make ends meet and figuring out what's for dinner should not be you know such a stressful thing like it is for most families i i mean go off on that because they i mean they do I, they do that and then they do it like it's just the most I think like there's like this like cancel culture which again cancel culture we you know if there's a need for it yes but, thank you Ooh, that's we don't have to come need, around another time to talk about cancel culture <laughs> we need but there's some things where I'm like yo this is a little like some of the stuff you're canceling that you're you guys are saying these things because you're out of touch Mm-hmm. that's literally what it is, is that we're in our own little realities that we don't really know the people that you're talking about or just making these blanket statements you really don't understand the impact that that would have on their life yeah so I, t- I totally agree I mean and it's and again I am not over here to be like cancel culture is not a, like blah blah no I think it has a place and I think there you know there's a need for it and I and I am like yeah. Yeah, I'm glad this is a thing but in some in some realms mm-hmm. like this mm-hmm. realm and, and and others I'm like mm-hmm. you know, I think it's really easy to cancel like these these places where it's like okay like or fast fashion I disagree with mm-hmm. fast fashion but yes, yes. what when I'm on a um $20 three-week grocery budget in college and I'm working full yes. time, part-time yes. while I'm in classes and I want a cute outfit so I can just yes. not feel ugly all the time yes. <laughs> um I'm gonna get this cheap ass shirt and tell you yes. what, when I get a career when I'm older that you know so it's, again it's like this stuff that's just out of touch you know and I and yes. agree fast fashion's an issue but I'm like I'm not listen the Goodwill, y'all done made that shit trendy now. Yes. So the Goodwill is the same cost or more as Ross. Yes, how about that? Isn't that crazy? It hurts. Because <laughs> really now like thrift shopping is like, I you mean, know, like the new thing. $14 for a t-shirt? You're joking. Mm-hmm. And they're like, on Sunday, I'm like, I still don't want to pay $7 for a t-shirt. I'll tell you yeah. that at the Goodwill. Goodwill, you can normally get a shirt for like literally like five bucks. Like that's no. that literally used to be the going rate. Everyone wants like a piece of the pie. Now I'm like, but you know, so it's like it's with so again, yeah. I I mean we could totally go. I mean, yeah, yeah, because all of that, like that, yeah. but it, this these are all things that you really have to factor in when you're a parent yeah. trying to raise your kid, having yeah. to locate. Like these are mm-hmm. things you have to think about because yeah. these are the little ways that yeah. you know racism kind of permeates these communities and will affects these communities and in a really in a really nasty way you know yeah it's also sinister I mean it's 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 also it is also sinister and that we really have to I hate to be like the know your history kind of girl but like when you 
read some of the things that have transpired, you know, back in the 60s, back in the 50s. And before then, obviously, like the things that we talk about now, it's not a far-fetched concept to believe, like, you know, to think that we are put in this one particular area and it just so happens that in this one particular area that we have been redlined in, the schools are, could, could be poor education or not enough resources, I really should say, so that the kids can have sufficient education so that the teachers can be paid properly, that the food is spoiling, that the town is not being, if, if you are not going to care about the village, the village is not gonna care about itself. Like if you're not gonna invest in it and people can feel like, okay, we've just been like tossed to an island, why would you expect them to maintain this, this island that you put them on? Like, you know, so I get like, again, being from Philly, you see a lot of, of that. And I think what hurts the most is like, it's just so many people, so many kids, adults with so much potential, but that are unable to tap into it literally because they are drained and strained from just the everyday BS of being black. And it's, it's like, you know, it's like gut wrenching. So that's why I'm always, I'm like normally the one in the comments whenever I see like blanketed statements, I'm like, okay, well, if you have the time, I would love to share you this, like this document yeah. that I have, um, you know, literally from 2020, it's a fresh perspective. Um, maybe I can get you to change, uh, change your mind, your viewpoint on that. Cause we can't keep making these. I've, I've found the wellness community can be very judgmental, can mm -hmm. be very, um, very classes like oh I do this and if you guys don't that's that's why I said I'm let me infiltrate this real quick because what we're not about to do is because we have this little new trendy wellness thing or because we see the world and this like 4d you know outlook that we're gonna make other people feel like shit because they may not be tapped into that yet what I always try to remind myself and others is that there was a time in life, you didn't wake, you didn't just come out the badge like awaken. Okay, <laughs> at some point something happened in our life and we tapped in and like, you know, thank God we're here and we have a, you know, maybe a different mindset that really just helps us survive. But we're not gonna make other people feel less than or at any point put ourselves on a higher pedestal. You know, because there's just some information that people just don't know. There's a lot of things that I did not know that I still don't know that I'm still doing research on. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. By tapping though, my plugin, I'm not gonna front. It literally is money. It was for me. I was like, yeah. it, it's money. It's money. And and people are like, money can't buy happiness. And like, yeah, but it does buy a lot of. Yeah, but it can, can it can provide you with the things that you actually need it has money has the trajectory to literally change your like your life like i can, it can, I can literally plug in i just spent 75 dollars on vitamins you know mm -hmm. this isn't a flex this is a these vitamins make me feel really good mm -hmm. they're expensive as shit expensive but i this helps me with my hormones. This helps me with my weak joint. This helps me with my medical conditions. These are, it's a holistic thing. It is bougie and expensive and never in my life would I ever be able to afford that. Mm -hmm. I can now. Mm -hmm. And I've, you know, I've worked to get to this point, but mm -hmm. am I going to shame keep, you know, and then there's that like, oh, I'm, 
you know, oh, you got to use, you know, these trendy coffee shops that are reusing. I was just talking about, they were like reusing this glass bottle. My black ass would not be in that $7 coffee place with this usable glass jar, you know, last year, right? Mm -hmm. Year before. I'd be at mm-hmm. 7-Eleven with my disposable cup. I would still, I would reuse it a couple times, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be, you know, with the toxins leaking into the coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm aware of that stuff, but yeah. what? I, I I wasn't able to tap into this bougie exactly. lifestyle because I didn't exactly. have money. Exactly. And so money and access is, to- it's totally a means of tapping. Mm-hmm. I have more time to take care of myself. Yep. And being able to take care of yourself and have time to think about not only, you know, cause it's not like people don't know that it's not like when I was not, didn't have any money. I didn't know top ramen was horrible for me. I knew that, but. What are you going to do? Like, what are we, you know, that, that, and that's my issue is that what, and which is the issue that I have with, with most people and their hot takes is that we all, we say the things that we know, like, why are we the hot takes just aren't that hot you know if you're not providing me you know if you're not gonna provide me with some resources you're not gonna provide me with the money that it takes to get these things then I don't want you to speak on it and that's why I did not want to come into the wellness atmosphere or selling products without also trying to pair that with service i'm not just trying to get like with the elderberry syrup it was literally i mean that's how so wellness with the apothecary is my business that i have where i just you know i sell like little fun little wellnessy things so i have like a oatmeal bath soak and elderberry syrup and like a tea that helps with anxiety that literally started just for the elderberry syrup because i was making elderberry syrup for me and my son and then I had an extra batch, a few extra batches. So I just put it on Instagram. I was like, if someone wants, you know, some elderberry syrup. And I was sell, I sell it for like, what, 12? At the time, it was like $12. And elderberry syrup is pretty expensive, for one. Um, and not to mention the jars that I was selling them in. They're a nice size jar for $12. So again, it was more so, here is something that is very beneficial that I'm not trying to charge y'all an arm and a leg. Like if you were to go buy it off Etsy, or even if you were to go into like your like neighborhood, you know, pharmaceutical company to like purchase it, you'll get a small amount and it'll be hella expensive. So that was just a way of me trying to do like my little part. I'm one person. So I just try to, you know, make the little ripples that I can. And then that kind of, you know, just turned into um, wellness within where I'm gonna start expanding the products but my main goal is to make it affordable because I don't feel like the perfect example your vitamins you shouldn't have had to spend $75 on vitamins but the important thing is is that you need those vitamins you know so there's things that we need and unfortunately they cost an arm and a leg so my goal is to try to offset some of those prices because like I said you know in the beginning peace of mind that is a birthright to feel comfortable within our own body and I mean, this that's, I don't that's radical you know what I mean why is that I'm radical to say that people exactly. are like you rad-? I'm like that shouldn't be radical if you think that's radical you need to you need to do some yeah. inner work yeah. um because it's a qual the quality of life it, we just, like you said, it's, we're, it's, it, we're all entitled to that quality, like a quality of life where we're just not, because mm-hmm. all of that, you know, this, 
why do we, you know, this hypertension that is in our communities, all of these illnesses, I'm like, there's a root, you know, you guys can keep saying it's our genetics. You can keep saying it's this or that, or Mm -hmm. you can look at external environmental factors on top of that, that may be fascinating, you know, you know, we have to make, when we're talking about the livelihoods of other people, we have to make educated statements with educated responses. I personally, because I enjoy, you know, not looking like a fool, I don't speak on anything where I can't readily either remember or pull the data. Anything that I speak on, I'm able to prove it. And I think for me, this is just a personal, again, as we talk about things that just personally may trigger us, blanket statements will, especially when it comes to Social economics will always trigger me because you just you simply cannot make blanket statements, especially when it comes to a conversation about class and maybe you're bringing in a different kind of income. Where then, even though you're black, that different kind of income that you're pulling in will still give you access to different things that maybe another family cannot. So I don't quite want to hear too much of anything unless you can show me statements of you actually giving back in a way. Or trying to help because I think at this point that's just where I'm at I mean it's especially after everything that happened from like 2020 I used to be the girl that will like go toe-to-toe with anybody like to defend the rioting I'll defend the looting I can get it can get very very radical with me because when it comes to capitalism we can literally burn all of the shit down yeah. uh, literally all of it so I'm with I'm with all all the loot i do not i literally do not care but what i realize is that energy is wasted on people who are just dead set to not agree and to not see your point um so i just remove myself i'm i'm better served to talk to someone who understands where i'm coming from and even if there's something that we don't click on we can just have you know an educational you know conversation around that topic and then maybe I learn something, maybe they learn something, but I'm no longer entertaining conversations where the person is just never gonna see where I'm coming from. And that's for social economics and everything <laughs> outside of that. I'm just not, it's either you're on, you're coming with us or you're not. And if you're not, then okay, you get left behind. But I'm only here to talk to the people that want to change, understand the need for change. And that's just, that's just what it is. You don't want it. We not trying to hang out with y'all poli sci majors that are like, Hey, this is like a sports thing for, you know, I'm like, and then they want us to engage in the dialogue according to their like social, their, their conversational norm. Mm -hmm. So start speaking passionately. Mm -hmm. Why are you so angry? Why don't you, I'm like, why aren't, why am I so angry? Right. Why are you not? (laughs) Dehumanized. (laughs) You're talking about other humans, like they're animals, like you're defending locking children in cages. Like Mm -hmm. you can get the fuck out of my face, you know, like. Yeah. don't ask me why they do this thing where they kind of like you know when we obviously get caught up in the throes of passion in our dialogue mm-hmm. they're like well you just like you, basically it's like they're uppity way of like oh well you can't even have like a, a oh yeah you're just too so, obviously this um, conversation just makes you a little too emotional you can't really speak on the subject and that's just not case like you can't debunk the things that I'm saying just because I actually have a heart and I care about what happens outside of myself I think that a lot of people um Americans you know primarily have this idea of like if it's not happening to me if it's not happening to someone that I care about then 
okay, deuces, like I'm, I'm cool off this. Like I'm good where things are at because if the tables were reversed and you were in a position where you were less fortunate, I'm, I would have to assume you wouldn't have the same, the same state of mind of, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps or whatever the little, you know, things that they say to try to like give us little antidotes to calm us down or to say, oh, how can I get out of this conversation quickest without seeming like I'm like, you know, a total evil so monster. Put an MLK quote and I'm like, you. Yeah, I'm get like. your dirty hands off his yeah, quote. You know? Keep his name out of dirty mouth. Yeah. Honestly, and we need more radical minds. The people who led the movements weren't the people who thought logically and like, oh, well, we have to react within these bounds because these are the boundaries that have been set up for our people. They were people who were breaking Angela Davis, Miss Radical, okay? So, I mean, we have to have more radical thinkers. We can't just say, well, this is what we were given. So like, let's just, no, we really have to think crazy yeah. thoughts. We have to think of like, what would a world look like if we did not have cops? Like, we have to think like that. Like that's, that's a radical thought because our entire lives our mothers, our grandparents, our great grandparents, we can only think about cops like always being around. So to think about dis disrupting that type of programming that has been placed for centuries, that's that's radical. And it's and that's okay. That's the only way that we'll be able to, at least for our children's children, to be able to have a better, you know, to take at this life as we know it. So I'm I'm with all of the the radical thinking um, in true Aquarius form. I'm perfectly fine with tearing the system down. The system has never done anything great for black people, for brown people. So, and no one can tell me otherwise. Now we have made efforts to try to dissolve certain things or to make certain things right, but this system in and of itself has never done anything good for, you know, for black people. Everything has been, anything that has been put in that could have the potential to help us has been a direct response to the things the system has set up to break us down. So, you know, I'm not, you can't, I can't protect that. Capitalism doesn't serve black people. Like it doesn't, it's, a, it's always gonna be a game of winners and losers. And that's just not, I don't care if I'm the winner or the loser. It's just not. It's just not right. And if something's just not right, then I want it to. I want it tear down. So of course, the people who are benefiting from you know capitalistic endeavors are gonna be okay with it and and try to make their arguments as to why it's um, sustainable. But I think COVID has taught us that it's just a sick game. That the people who make all of this money were able to pick up a laptop and go home and work from home and everything is all well and good. And then we have people who are working on the front line that are maybe working more than one job are also risking losing their jobs whilst risking their lives. And they don't get paid as much as, you know, this big head honcho working, you know, in the city that could just bring his laptop into the house. Yeah. So, you know, sorry if I feel like that's not right or I feel like that's unfair. I feel like I'm ra I'm rambling on, but yeah. No, I mean, like, because those are the same people who are, like, against raising the minimum wage and, like, yes. don't want other. And I'm like, you just shut up. Like, you yes. guys, like, why do you have to, like. What? It's so terrible. 
what except like what these hedge fund people when something doesn't go your way you guys are I'm gonna telling be like, you our hedge like you know i'm like y'all mm-hmm. are so gross like y'all yeah. not a, you know and we again like there's so many ways to peel this back and like go into it and mm-hmm. because we're talking about we're specifically talking about you know because this is what we have we're experienced with like the black mm-hmm. communities but i'm like my homie is up in this you know i'm gonna have her coming on soon but she's up in this um chicano studies this is Chicago studies class, but she's with Dr. Hayes Batista, UCLA, talking about the crazy wow. shit they did. The population, the Mexican, the Mexicans that were here mm-hmm. in California, mm-hmm. in none of our California history books do they mm-hmm. give these histories. They talk about the gold rush, they talk about, mm-hmm. you know, they talk about all this stuff, but mm-hmm. they never really highlight the like the history of California, yes. which is very much a Mexican history. Yes. And, you know, there's, I mean, she's given me the, 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 the DL, the scoop, um, uh-huh. all this, like basically all the bullshit, you know, and uh-huh. how, and it's just like the stuff that's lit. It's so mind blowing because I'm like this, yeah, this, we've literally been eating up propaganda, yes. propaganda yes. and like fake news, like from childhood, like, like you just can't it right in our faces. Yeah. Like you can't just omit this, these, but they did, they just deleted yes. history to like make yep. these this this population of people mm-hmm. to, to seem like they are lesser than mm-hmm. you know and yep. like it was okay to conquer them conquer air quotes mm-hmm. I'm saying this in air quotes because they were lesser than when in reality I mean they ran shit you know and yes. was, and they don't want to say those kind of things probably out of fear that it would ignite you know some exactly. comments exactly um, and, yeah and that's why it's so important to really lift up the people that are still here that were a part of the movement, you know, to, to really get, or to read things outside of the textbooks that were given to us to really know all of the things that occurred. And it's going to, I mean, I think for a while I used to kind of like try to stray away from reading so much about our history, being transparent when I was like younger, because it's so, it's just so heartbreaking, you know, to know that we were treated like this for literally no reason aside from the color of our skin, you know, so that it kind of like breaks you. But as you get older, I had to break out of the whole, oh my God, it's going to hurt my feelings because I am privileged. Like I'm not, I'm not dealing directly anyway, dealing with the things that my ancestors had to deal with. So I feel like, and to a certain extent, I feel it's the least I can do. Yeah. to read the stories of what happened so that way i'm not just out here walking in these streets that they walked thinking something totally different happened or or this whole i'm not my ancestor thing where our ancestors were actually putting in work and it's because of our ancestors that we're still in the thick of it but not nearly as you know what it was obviously centuries before so i do think that with all of this, it's like a, you know, you take three steps forward and then you take 20 steps back. But I think that we can all agree that we're not in the same position that we were when our ancestors were here. And for that, we give, I give them all the praise, all the credit. And it's up to me to make sure I'm reading their history so that I can tell my kid so that he can tell his kid and we keep the stories going. Cause pretty soon it's going to be us. Like we're going to be the, the older generation, you know, and we have to keep these stories alive. That's a big responsibility. It's yeah. a big responsibility, but the books are there, you know? Yeah. And, and again, and this is 
again with this with why I want to highlight our stories in our voices that's kind of why I really wanted to create this space um to hear black speakers Mm -hmm. talk about just you know because yeah there's you know we have there are things out there but too often things are taken out of our own voices that's what happens Mm -hmm. MLK you know they, they take things out of you know, we need to hear stories mm-hmm. in our voices. Yes. Because this is how, you know, it's like an oral oral history Definitely. project, if you will. And, you yeah. know, and on that note, I know you went and you, you were talking a little bit. And again, I'm going to link all the listeners. Um, yeah. Riara recorded a um, podcast previously that really went into detail about her birth story, which um, the title was Navigating Motherhood Through the Lens of Postpartum Depression. And it's, it's a great podcast. So I'm going to definitely link it there. Um, because if y'all want to get the nitty gritty, like what was going down. Oh, yes. That, that was very, and I, I think Rory was like, I don't even think he was like a year yet. I think he was still like pretty fresh out. Chat so in the background, like, you know, he's yeah, yeah. a cameo <laughs> in the podcast. Yes, absolutely. It was, ve- it was very much like he was definitely very, um, young and I know my memory is like, as far as the experience, it was way more like real and rugged than, I mean, he'll be three in August. So I still remember it like it was yesterday, but I'm sure my feelings are way more raw in that, inter- um, in that interview too. <laughs> <laughs> well, and those, I mean, that's, you want to capture that, right? Like that's, you gotta, that's so cool that you have that, that like yeah. thing with him. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm a, I found, you know, they're making this new app for black mothers. I don't know if you've heard of it. I have to get the name, but it's for people, black mothers, so that we can do like reviews basically Mm. um, on, I think I put it somewhere. I'll I'll link it in the episode, but where you're based, it's almost like the Yelp for hospital experiences. Wow. And I I didn't know that. Genius. That's amazing. Right. Like, it's like. Such an amazing idea. Right. We need that sad that we have to Yelp review, you know, or not, not necessarily Yelp, but review hospitals. Yeah. But it's something that is literally needed because our voices don't matter in a lot of these hospitals, which is, I mean, the statistics, if you, even if you are a black woman making decent money, college educated, you are still far more likely to die at the hands of childbirth, at the hands of the doctors, than a white woman that like has a high school degree. So it's not even, it's it's literally not, and I say that because it's not a matter of an education thing. It's not a matter of class. It is literally a matter of you being black. That's it. Yeah. And that's like, and that's a scary, that's something you don't want to think about stuff like that when you're going in, nor do you want to have to deal with obviously things like that when you're about to give life. Like the only thing you should be thinking about are like roses and daffodils, like just good thoughts while you're about to bring a human into the world. But that's just not the reality. Most out nervous that the doctors aren't listening to them. So that's a that's a much needed application. Hey, listeners, chiming in really quick. Uh, This is a topic that Briara and I are both extremely passionate about, and we really could have gone on forever. Um, And there are so many case studies that we would like to review, um, but we didn't want to make this episode too long. So we went ahead and shortened this up. But I do intend on having an episode in the future that is dedicated to Black mother and infant mortality rates in the U.S. because this is an extremely important topic. And... Yeah.
didn't want to make this episode too long though. So uh, we shortened it up for you guys. All right, let's get back into it. I can't wait to check that out. I don't know what your experiences have, ha have been mm -hmm. and, and mine haven't been for pregnancy, but just my experiences in the healthcare mm -hmm. that being ignored, then yep. ignoring our pain, just, just the cali like just the way they've treated mm -hmm. just it's. And since I was young too, I think my earlier memories of going to doctor are just, were, were so bad. That's mm -hmm. what made me not want to even go back mm -hmm. so as an adult. And then I, I missed some things that should have been caught earlier, but it, you know, mm -hmm. my fault didn't want to go in there, you know, I right. to be treated. And of course, when I did go in to get treated, I was it uh, similar experiences with these women where you, you're telling them what's wrong and they're like, okay, well just go home or, oh, it's just yeah. this or, or whatever, yeah. or you're just overweight or, you know, just yeah. completely brushing yeah. off. Yeah. Your, in terms of post like postpartum and after birth care that's something that I curious about and pretty passionate about and if you can give me like some after like what was your yeah what would you like to see change in terms of women getting support um in aftercare here just insurance included you know yeah I think it, it's so much that goes goes into it you spend you spend nine months you know just basically making sure you're at your best, at your healthiest, making sure your baby is healthy. I know for me, so I'll, spoke, I'll speak from, you know, obviously my, my experience. I would spend the nine months really just worrying about the baby, making sure that Rory's good, making sure that I'm good so that he's good. And then you have the baby. So you would think, okay, like that part's done. But then you're kind of hit with, for me, a wave of emotions because I, my whole life, I revolved around me being pregnant. That was it. So, you know, when I would talk to people, it's like, hey, how's the baby? Hey, how's the, and we joke about that. Like once you have the baby, no one's really checking on you. They're checking on the baby. Um, and it's funny, but it's true. Like a lot of the times you're gonna have people that are just so excited that you have a baby. They're just asking about worry. They're asking about worry. They're asking, you know, asking about your baby. And you're like, oh, I'm good too but I always I personally I always make it an effort whenever I know a friend has a baby or any of the, like the, the ladies that I talk to I'm on Instagram when they have a baby I'm always going to check up on the baby but I'm always like how are you feeling yeah. how's the baby feeling how are you feeling because just something like that is enough to like turn someone's mood um in a more higher frequency because it's like damn I do it's a, a way to remind the mom that you still matter um I think that community is important now granted every mom may want different things I think for me community was very important just to know that I have people in my corner because yeah. Rory's father and I were not together so even when I had Rory it was a co-parenting situation which means the date when I have Rory it's just us you know by myself my family would come to visit but they lived in Philly so they would come to Delaware they would come visit me um, but they couldn't stay they have school they have work you know whatever the case is um, and then I just remember literally like crying when they would leave I would be so sad I went through the just the strangest things it's kind of it when I was going through postpartum depression honestly it was very um reminiscent of my life in COVID because we were always in the house when mm -hmm. I had him I didn't really take him out too much because he was still new but you kind of just get like um cabin fever a little bit I know I did it was like I would go through periods where being um 
upstairs, I would like stay upstairs. I would never go downstairs. And then it would be periods where I would stay downstairs. I'll never go upstairs. I would be, I would have really great days, but terrible nights. Like whenever it would get dark out, I, I could literally just feel myself just being very depressed and just very down. And then opposite, then it would be times where the nights I would be great. And then as the days come, I would just, it's really hard to, to really to navigate. Um, but it's real. I mean, it's just something that I feel I'm happy that's being talked about more. Um, a while ago, I did um, like a little mini uh, mini project, we could say, where I was talking to different mothers just to get their take on what postpartum depression looked like to them. Because I thought that I had it like the worst. I just felt, I didn't feel disconnected from worrying, but really just disconnected from myself, which being transparent was scarier, I feel like, because I've always been someone who's just known who I am. I know what I want for myself, where I'm going. And once he came in, I was like, oh my God, I'm like a mom now. Like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm just like, it just became all about mothering. Like I kind of put all my other feelings to the side and just took a deep dive into being a mom and kind of forgot about everything else. And then one day that kind of like, that reality of that, the gravity of that hit me. And it, it did some damage because I'm like, okay, now I got to figure out who I am with the baby. And sometimes you get FOMO. Sometimes I got FOMO. Like maybe if I didn't have Rory, I probably would have still been at home, really not doing anything. Because before I had him, I was already kind of in the stage of like just clamming up and kind of staying home. But now that I have the baby, I'm like, oh my God, if I didn't have Rory, I probably could have done <laughs> I could have just randomly went to Target by myself. I could have, you know, so yeah. it was... You know, it was hard. You start thinking about like the societal norms of having like a two parent household and like me wondering, oh my God, am I like effing him up because I'm not with his dad and we're not in the same household. And that has its, you know, we have our own drama there. Like, is that, how is he gonna think of me? Just all of the worst thoughts that could have entered my head at the worst time literally did because I kind of allowed it. I didn't really stop those thoughts. I didn't, you know, combat them with, no, you're a great mom. No, you're a, you know? So I would say community help because having company um, did help distract, but also just knowing, I think it's just important for people to know that they really have someone to call on. You know, even like your most strongest friends that get pregnant, you know, it's important for them to know that they have community. There's, like I said, there's ladies that I talk to on Instagram that we may not talk for like two months, but I'm going to pop in and going to make sure like, hey, I'm just checking. We haven't talked. I want to make sure you're good. Do you need anything? Do you need? Because I know that that's literally how I was, but I wasn't someone that would reach out to my community. I more so needed them to kind of like knock. And even if I wasn't so forthcoming with how I'm feeling. It's it's so tricky because how do you comfort someone that may not know that they need comforting or may not want to accept it? It's hard. It's hard for the community and it's also hard for the mom because depression is just a really crazy thing to to juggle. It's a very complex thing because I would have some days where I felt on top of the world and then other days I felt like I was just like dying inside. Like I just felt so low. 
And then what makes it even more complicated is you look at this little baby and he's like so perfect. And then I start crying even more because I'm like, oh. oh my God, like why do I even feel this way? Because you're like so great. So I don't even know what's happening. Um, but I think my my healing for the postpartum really came through talking to other women. It's just something about even going through the most difficult time in your life. It's really something about knowing other people experience something that you experience. And for me, talking through it, hearing other stories really was healing for me. And I think that it's just important for, you know, mothers to know that you're not the only one that's going through this right. and that it really will, it's so cliche, but it really will get better. It feels like a long road, but you really will make it out. I think that once Rory became more self-sufficient and he was, able to talk a little bit more and like be able to communicate obviously he needs me he's two like he needs his mother but it's not I'm not on him 24 7 like I was before when you're taking care of a new life especially if you um are single and you don't have the extra help 24 7 or I've even talked to some women where they're with the father but the father sometimes the fathers kind of check out sometimes they go you know they go through their little things so sometimes you have someone in the house but they're not helping. So it still feels as if you're by yourself. So no matter what, you know, physically or mentally, if you feel like you're alone and you're doing and you're dealing with this alone, it is a struggle because your whole life, I mean, my whole life was, damn, I gotta, we gotta pump my boobs. Damn, I gotta, now I gotta change them. Okay, now we gotta go here, but he just shit himself or he just threw up. So I can't like, it's like, and pair that with already having seasonal affective disorder, it just wasn't because I had Rory and I had him August. So I was still on maternity leave and around like um, November, I, I started to go um, back to work. And that's when, again, like around December, the seasonal affective disorder came in. So I was already pretty sad that I had to leave him and then go to work. But I think even in my lowest days, I always try to remember um the things that I'm grateful for. I didn't have to send Rory to a daycare because his father's parents watched him for us while we both worked. So that was a, a big help, you know? So I try to focus on like the things that, you know, made me happy. And then having a kid, having a, a new baby, my self-care looked a little different. My self-care wasn't necessarily taking a bubble bath or like relaxing or decompressing or having like a glass of wine and decompressing in that way. My self-care was honestly just being able to watch the office like while he slept and like being able to put on it's it yeah it's really weird how certain things can be therapeutic but what helped me is just latching onto that. Like if watching you know 15 episodes of the office is gonna keep me from having a panic attack later tonight then Dun, dun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's literally what we're gonna like where we're gonna do I, I had to literally sit myself down and figure out what are the things in my life right now outside of the baby that is bringing me happiness because I'm gonna latch on to that and I'm not letting that go because that is like my saving grace if I need it I told my my girlfriends I was like I need you to come over more like if you can because my girlfriends have they had kids too and their kids are a little bit older, but I'm like, bring them. Like, if you need to, like, I'm just letting you know that if y'all are free, you can literally come over here. And they did. Like, they were able to support me in that way. I talk to my mom, like, all the time. Like, I do now. But just talking to her, just having community. 
And then if someone's listening to this and they are the community, then I want to let you know that we appreciate you, whether we say it or not, you're appreciated. And it's hard. Again, it's really hard to be there to support someone when you don't know exactly how they need to be supported, especially if they are not forthcoming. And sometimes depression obviously turns us into someone, pardon me, that we're not usually, you know? So maybe you have like the fun-loving friend who always wants you over, who wants to see you all the time. And maybe now they're being distant. So I also, to speak to that, it's just to not take it too personal. It still hurts, even if it's not you dealing with it, but just understand that when someone obviously, postpartum depression is, is not too far off from depression, anxiety. You literally feel all of those things. The biggest difference is that this was probably brought on by having the kid and now the kid is here. So now we're kind of like dealing with both of these things. Uh, but I always try to share the support groups, um, um, Whole Heart Psychology, I believe they offer support groups for moms. Mm. very beneficial and my you know my biggest thing very low cost like $15 for a session and they also talk to you about you know your finances so if you can't afford that then they will make a way for you it's initiatives like that that mean a lot to me just to provide a space because sometimes you may not feel comfortable talking to your girlfriend that is like pretty much okay you may need to talk to another mom who's also dealing with you know, the same thing that you're dealing with. Um, the help is there. You see my Instagram will be tagged. I'm literally always available to talk to anybody about anything. Cause like I said, it's, it's still healing for me to have um, conversations, you know, like this, especially when I was in such a dark place and I would hear these kind of podcasts and it wouldn't really stick to me. Cause I'm like, I'm still in the thick of it. Um, but now I play them back and I'm like, I, I get it. Like you really, you really will make it out. Um, it just takes, it just takes time. It just takes time. Yeah. Well, th thank you. So, I mean, thank you so much for sharing that. That's just, it's, you know, it's, it is a deeply personal thing, but having more of a dialogue about it. And I think mm -hmm. takes away some of the shame that people may be feeling that's associated mm -hmm. with it. I know when I've spoken to other, um, well, there's that dealt with it. They were like, well, I was kind of ashamed, you know, like I just felt like, People, I didn't want people thinking I didn't love my kid. And then I was ashamed because I felt like, do I not love my kid as much? And I'm like, yo, like I. Yeah, some deep thoughts, man. Some, yeah. But that's what depression does. Like it, it just, it lets in all of those, the, the craziest thoughts, the scariest thoughts, the thoughts that you really don't want to like share with anyone that you really don't even want to think like yourself it just becomes like a, you know, a vicious cycle, but it really only helps if you do speak to someone, you know, about it. And like, that's why I said, I love the support group so much because I was able to have these conversations with the women that I interviewed where they were able to tell me, you know, I had some moms that wanted to be anonymous. They didn't even want me to post like their name or mm -hmm. their picture because of like the things that they were dealing with. And postpartum depression looks different for everyone. There's some moms who they did not want to go near the baby. The mom's thinking that they would hurt the baby. Like it can get very dark and it is normal. Like these are normal, it's just normal feelings to have. It doesn't feel normal, of course, because it's a kid that you birthed, but it's normal. And you have to be able to talk to other women who experienced it to normalize that situation. Telling a girlfriend sometimes isn't, you don't get the same relief mm -hmm. because you're, she hasn't gone through that. It's, Sometimes yeah. it helps to talk to someone that was like, 
I had that same thought or I know exactly how you feel. Um, just, just to be in community, you know, just to be in community with someone who experienced the same thing that I think that that's a big step into normalizing these things and being able to take a break. I'm having community there to take a break so that you can, even if it's just a walk outside by yourself, to be able to do that is a big help as well. Because being a, a mother, it's like, yeah, it's a, it's really a mindfuck. You, you want to be away from the kid because you, you need some time to yourself. But then you're away. And then I remember when I went to NOLA, I was like, oh my God, I can't wait. Like, uh, you know, Rory was like, I think a little over one. I was like, yeah, I'm ready. Like, it's time. It's like, I need a break. I've been working hard. I'm such a great mom. I gotta go. I went there first night. I had a blast. I drunk. It was great. And then literally day two, I was depressed. I was like, I miss Rory. And day two wasn't, yeah. Like by the end of the trip, I was like, okay, no, this isn't good. Like, I really need to get back to my kid. I missed him so much. So it's like, it, I, I think the older Rory gets, the more I'm able to juggle those emotions and it not take me over, like being able to miss him. And obviously that's normal and that's real. And on the same token, now we're going to miss him, but we're going to go ahead and take this trip. We're going to go ahead and like have ourselves a good night tonight because that's how you start to, my biggest thing with parents that I've seen like in my parents generation is kind of having a resentment for having kids or having so many kids yeah. because your life kind of stopped mm-hmm. I don't want my life to stop I don't want to be just Briera the mom I want to be Briera who's like a mom but she still loves to have a good time like I'm I'm still very much like young ish I'm 26 so yeah, the young. entrepreneur the you know what I mean I want to have more things to myself than just um, a mother, but it's also creating space for all of the different dynamics that there are women out there that feel totally fulfilled with simply being there with their kid. I think my biggest thing is just making everyone, just letting everyone know that it's okay, however you feel. If you're someone who became a mom and you're a hundred percent, like that's where you want to be. You don't want to like do trips or you don't, then that's, that is fine too. I think it's just important that you know exactly what you want and you don't, do things based off of how other people may perceive it yeah. you know because at the end of the day I know I love my kid I know I also love to travel you know <laughs> so and that mommy judgment though is real they be it's real such ruthlessness I'm like y'all know what it's they so do and just I'm like y'all need to first of all mind your business like don't yes. be mothers like oh she doesn't want to breastfeed anymore mind your business oh Alex, it's, I mean it's so it's so terrible and obviously such a touchy subject because you're literally talking about my human, like my little person and you're judging me for, you know, the things that I do. And like I said, just like I mentioned, you know, within the wellness community, within the motherhood community, any, you put, if you put any subject, there's going to be a judgment group, you know, but I think again, our day and age we have so many more thinkers that are combating that type of like it's you'll see more I feel within like the more millennial parenting you see more posts about who gives the f if you only breastfeed for two months like it's cool more than you know like the the more judgmental um mother the one thing I can say about my mom is that she kind of helped me in feeling just affirmed in how I parent for the most part we don't agree with how I discipline 
because I don't like I'm more so yeah, like there's always a yeah. gap right yeah, yeah I think I don't think I don't think we and like any family member will agree on how I discipline my child um but as far as you know breastfeeding or baby wearing you know um then we've pretty much been on the same, you know, on the same page. It's just that between breastfeeding in public and how I discipline my child, I think that that's like the two things where we're like, we butt, we butt, we butt heads. But there's like a generational thing there, you know, where yeah. back yeah. in my day we didn't. I said, well, here we are, baby. Oh. We are in my day, <laughs> and we are pulling out tits in public and we're feeding our kids because nobody should be sexualizing my breasts, especially when it's in a baby's mouth. So thank you. Thank you, know, you. Wow. That's just, <laughs> that's just where we're at with it. But I think that there's way more conversations now around just combating all of those like antiquated views on how we should be doing anything in life, how we should be parenting, how we should be moving, you know, on a day to day, which I I'm so happy that I was born during this time because yes. I'm such a free thinker that I I couldn't. I would have went crazy in a world where everyone, I'm so happy that now we have more people just understanding there's so many different ways to parent. And we are living in a time now where that is being, I think, welcomed a little bit more. But my problem, I think my thing is, I don't care if you welcome it or not. My, my goal is more so having mothers know whether people are cool with it or not. This is your kid. This yeah. is your kid, whether you had a vaginal birth, C-section, whether you adopted, surrogacy, this is your baby. However you want to parent your baby that makes you and your baby feel good, then it literally does not matter because it is no worse feeling than doing everything you can for your child and then feeling like it's not enough because that's already going to be for most mothers. And an internal feeling that you're going to feel off the rip anyway. The yeah. last thing I need is someone else you know coming to me with their judgment with their bullshit like all of it's yeah. bullshit uh, especially if you don't have a uterus like don't don't make comments about it exactly. don't y'all don't have shit to say if you exactly. don't have if you're not if you're not giving birth exactly um, you don't have shit to say do you does that make exactly. sense right exactly. like don't and I agree. I want to think, I want to make sure I'm expressing my sincerest gratitude oh for you coming and being open and sharing your, your experiences and your knowledge Yeah, is something that I'm so, so grateful for. And I know our Thank listeners are really grateful for it. Yeah. yeah. I'm just happy that you have me with such a great conversation. Anytime I can talk about tearing down antiquated views of anything is going to be a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I just love Briara. I'm such a fan. Uh, so thank you again, Briara, for putting this episode together with me. I really enjoyed creating it with you. Um, and happy Mother's Day again. And feliz el día de la madre tomorrow. And with that, uh, let's get into our guided EFT. Let's see how we do. Let's go. This is a guided EFT tapping meditation for gratitude. 
EFT stands for Emotional Freedom Technique, and it's an alternative treatment for physical pain and emotional distress. It's also referred to as tapping or psychological acupressure. EFT focuses on the meridian points or energy hotspots to restore balance to your body's energy. It's believed that restoring this energy balance can relieve symptoms a negative experience or emotion may have caused. Before we begin, you may find it helpful to take a look at the tapping points that I will be referencing in this meditation. I have linked the reference image in this episode's description. During this meditation, try to let your emotions come naturally and don't worry about doing it perfectly. And when you're ready, take a deep breath. And let's begin. Repeat these phrases out loud or in your head while you focus on calming your breath and lightly tapping the points that I reference. Even though I am busy at this moment, I feel gratitude for all that I have in my life. Even though I don't acknowledge enough how grateful I am, I deeply and completely love myself. Even though I have more than I realize, I choose to feel lots of gratitude right now. And begins lightly tapping the start of the eyebrow with gratitude. I acknowledge all that I have in my life and the side of the eye. With gratitude, I acknowledge the love I have in my life and under the eye. I know I don't always feel grateful and under the nose, just above the cupid's bow and who I have in my life. Collarbone. I at times get lost in my thoughts and fears. Under the arm, that I lose sight of all that I have. Top of the head. So at times I find it hard to be grateful. And back to the start of the brow, because I feel the world is against me. And side of the eye, nothing is working out the way I want to. And under the eye, I might feel ungrateful. And under the nose, rather than seeing what I do have in my life. Under the mouth, which is a lot. Colorblown. Just sitting here, I can see what I have under the arm. And there is so much. Top of the head. 
so many precious moments to be thankful for. And I'd like you to stop now and take a deep breath. And check in with how you feel now. Then carry on with the following. At the start of the brow, begin tapping again. I choose to feel grateful. Side of the eye, I want to feel grateful. Under the eye, there is so much in my life to be grateful for under the nose, including myself. Under the mouth, I am grateful for who I am. Collarbone, for those around me. And under the arm, I have so many experiences to be grateful for. And the top of the head, I appreciate the gifts each day brings me. Start of the brow. I'm celebrating this wonderful side of the eye. Feeling of feeling grateful. Under the eye, my heart is sinking full of love and gratitude. Under the nose, I am worthy of all that this life has to offer. Under the mouth, I choose to love and accept myself. Collarbone, I choose to bring an attitude of gratitude into my life. Under the arm, right now, top of the head, and always. And stop now and take a deep breath and check in with how you feel now. At this point, you can either carry on or come back and yet keep asking yourself what am I grateful for? Open yourself up to feeling grateful for by saying, I choose to feel grateful for all that I have. And breathe. And just know you can come back to this meditation at any time. Thank you for trying out EFT with me. And I'll see you next time.